Welcome to Bible Greek VPod's Intermediate Greek Program. This is Lesson 20. In this lesson, you will learn the imperfect tense, and then we will look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. The perfect tense in the Greek expresses action as ongoing or continuous in past time. The imperfect denotes an incomplete action, and along with the present tense is called the imperfective aspect. What that means is the action is ongoing and is not yet brought to its intended conclusion or accomplishment. Let's take a look at the usage of the imperfect. The first usage of the imperfect is called the progressive imperfect. The progressive imperfect describes action in progress in past time and is the closest to its root meaning. There are two characteristics of the progressive imperfect. The first is the progressive imperfect of description. In this case, the process is represented as actually going on in past time. An example is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 16. And he was desiring to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. The imperfect of description is he was desiring. It describes what is actually going on. The second characteristic of a progressive imperfect is called a progressive imperfect of duration. So there's two types. The first we saw was description. Now is duration. In the progressive imperfect of duration, the action is viewed as having gone on in past time, but without regard to having been completed at a given point in the past. So an example is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was growing. There's the imperfect. God was growing. That is a progressive imperfect of duration. There is no view of completion. The next imperfect is called the repeated or iterative imperfect. The repeated or iterative imperfect describes action as reoccurring at successive intervals or repeated action in past time. Like the present tense, the activity may be a custom or a habit. An example is found in Mark chapter 15, verse 6. Now, at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. The iterative imperfect is, he was accustomed to releasing. See that? There's a custom involved or a heritage. That's a repeated iterative imperfect. Next, let's look at the special uses of the imperfect. Under this category, there is the inceptive imperfect. 
The inceptive imperfect denotes continuous action but emphasizes the initiation of a process or action, that is to say, the beginning of an action rather than its progress is in focus. The translator might use the words began or was beginning. An example is found in Mark chapter 1 verse 21. It says this, Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began teaching. There is the inceptive imperfect, and began teaching. Normally it would just be was teaching, but the context drove the translators to translate it began teaching. The next special usage is the tendential imperfect. The tendential imperfect denotes an action that has started, attempted, or proposed, but whose end was not attained. The translator might use the words trying or attempting. An example is found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 14. And John was preventing him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? The tendential imperfect is, John was preventing him. The action was started, it was attempted, whose end was not attained. The next special usage is called a voluntative imperfect. The voluntative imperfect denotes a desire or wish that is not being realized. An example is found in Galatians chapter 4, verse 20. But I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. The imperfect is, but I would like. See, that's the voluntative imperfect. Now let's take a look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. I hope you have done your translation work and you've gone to the website and got the detailed analysis and you have that before you. Let's take a look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. The first phrase says, By this the love has been made perfect with us in order that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. This section begins with the familiar expression in tuta, in this or by this, which expresses the means by which one has boldness before God. First, the fact is that God first loved us by sending His Spirit to transform us, illuminating the truth of the Son to us convicting us, and the result is our profession of Christ, thus establishing our position and security as being in Christ by being baptized, indwelt, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. The verb is placed before the subject in the Greek, thus emphasizing what we possess is characterized as perfected. The verb Teleo is in the perfect tense, a perfect passive indicative, to make perfect or complete. And 
It is in the passive, meaning an external agent performed the work in the past and its effect continues up to the time of writing. What is the subject of this phrase? The love, agape. Agape is the subject and possesses the definite article, making this a definite love that comes from God. As we have seen, this is the love that has its source from God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12 expresses that same thought. The preposition meta, with, is properly translated as genitive, meaning love is a possession. We possess all the love we need at the time of belief, and it continues with us all the days of our lives for the purpose of helping us in our daily walk, living this new life we have in Christ. That is the meaning of eternal life. We possess life the moment we believe, and this new life is defined by the indwelling of the Spirit, which is with us now and for eternity. The reason for this perfected love in us is identified by the use of the henna clause, in order that or so that we might have boldness in the day of judgment. How do we have boldness in the day of judgment? We have boldness by the simple fact of possessing the Spirit of God. Can you imagine being in the presence of our Lord who has been given authority over all judgment as we receive our rewards at the Bema seat? The great day when the dead will be resurrected and those that are alive and believe will have all their works judged. Those works not done in the name of Christ and for His glory will be cast out and what is left counted as good. There is great confusion among Christians today concerning the doctrine of judgment and rewards. Believers will not be judged based on how good they are. For Scripture says, No man is good, no, not one. One is perfectly loved, though one may not love perfectly. Scripture clearly explains that it is by saving faith, our belief alone, that we are rescued from condemnation. As John says in John chapter 3, verse 18, here's what he says, He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. John continues in his gospel that we have passed from judgment to light. He says this in John chapter 5 verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed over from death unto life. The Apostle uses the word parhasa, freedom in speaking, 
It's accusative feminine singular. Boldness or confidence, as in verse 228. He uses it in reference to the coming of Christ and seeks to encourage them in their daily walk to do the right thing so that they will have confidence today, tomorrow, and every day, even the great day of his appearance and the Bema Seat Judgment. This boldness is related to our fidelity in his word as the subjunctive of echo. We have, or we might have, boldness in te hamara tes chrysos, in the day of the judgment. The possibility exists that we can have, and indeed places an expectation of possessing confidence in the day of judgment. The day of judgment is specific, as is seen by the use of the two definite articles, one with the day and another with the judgment. Judgment is in the Greek krisis, a genitive feminine singular with the definite article, meaning the separating or the judgment. It is found only here in 1 John and is meant a separating of what we have done for ourselves and what we have done for Christ in true love, in obedience to Him. It should be reinforced that God loved us first and His love was demonstrated to us by His death, burial, and resurrection. And as a result... Our salvation is secured, being sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. It is because of the work of all the members of the Godhead that love is perfected and is with us. God the Father loved us first. God the Son paid the price in love. And God the Spirit illuminated us, transformed us, indwelled baptized and sealed us in his love. Our boldness is something that is possessed right now and is possible as we abide in him, not grieving the Holy Spirit. Let me make this perfectly clear. We are safe and secure as members of the body of Christ by being transformed and indwelt with the Holy Spirit. That is our legal position in Christ. But our daily walk is another matter. This little letter is addressed to believers who are secure in Christ but live in a fallen world of deception. So the constant exhortation to live a life respective of our position. When we are in fellowship with God, our fellowship with others is a direct reflection of that relationship. Take a look at the next phrase. Because even as that one is, also we, we are in the world. Rather clumsy translation, but it works word for word. We are to walk in the same way as Jesus walked when he was in this world set apart from the world, but still in the world, being salt and light to the world. The reason is given by the Hati clause, because with the addition of the adverb 
kathos, according as or even as, suggesting that we are to be like Jesus who serves as our example. The far demonstrative, that one, is normally translated because he is. However, ekonos, the demonstrative pronoun nominative masculine singular, that one, is distant in that it points to Christ as he walked on earth some 40 or 50 years previous as our example. But notice, that one is, is in the present tense, meaning he continues to serve as our example even though he is not walking on the earth today. But he is raised from the dead and is with us today. He is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, but is with us in the Holy Spirit. The addition of the personal pronoun hemis in the clause, we, we are in the world, serves to highlight our exhortation to love one another while we are still in this fallen world. The use of the near demonstrative hutas this modifying the word world is significant in that just like he walked in this world so we also ought to walk the two demonstratives in this verse almost serve as verb tenses pointing out the farness in time since jesus was in the world as opposed to the nearness of our reality in the world today Move down to verse 18, the first phrase. Fear is not in love, but the perfect love is casting out fear. There is no fear of anything when we are held secure in the hands of God. Our eternal security ought to bring about confidence and boldness in Christ, of which there can be no fear, since He has told us we have eternal life. Eternal life is consistent with eternal security. One cannot exist without the other. And when God, the very creator of all things, the creator of us, who formed us individually in the womb, when he says, have no fear, I am with you, so then we ought not have fear of anything. For they can only take our physical lives but we are promised eternal life. So do not fear, for there is not found fear in the love that God gives. The Greek word phobos, a nominative masculine singular, fear, dread, or terror, originally had the idea of flight due to being scared. The word comes to the English as phobia, meaning a persistent abnormal or irrational fear of a specific thing or situation. The idea here, though, is closer to the Greek than the English, in that fear implies a desire to flee. Do you know people who have to flee from God's Word? They hear God's Word and become so uncomfortable, they have to flee from the conversation, or they may go the other way 
and explode in verbal and even physical violence. The present tense of I me, to be, or exist, is a state of being verb, meaning love is a state of being, and as such, fear cannot have a place within the one in a state of God's love. We continue to not have fear because there is no fear in the same heart that the Holy Spirit indwells. The definite article with agape, love, means this is a specific love and further identifies this love as God's love. It is important to emphasize that the love has to do with the indwelling Holy Spirit and as such, no one can take the Spirit away. The grammar indicates that this love that dwells in us will never leave. The older English might better be used for Allah. Nay, perfect love casts out fear. A love that is characterized by the adjective teleos is brought to its end, finished or perfect, and means this love is a love that is brought to its logical conclusion and perfected. This love is a perfected love that continues to cast out fear. Notice the present tense of balo, to throw or cast out. It is a continuous or better, a repeated act. It is not that we never have fear, for we are, after all, just human, but rather this means that when we do have fear, we gain strength and confidence knowing that we possess the Spirit of God and the love that is specific has to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. Where is the phobos, the fear, the dread, the terror when we are possessed of God? Move down to the next phrase. Because the fear has a punishment, but he that does not fear, he has been made complete in love. The Apostle continues his argument by providing the reason fear has no part in love. It is hati, because the one that possesses the fear, the phobos, is said to also possess punishment. Notice that the emphasis is placed upon punishment as it appears before the verb to have. Punishment is the Greek noun kolasis, meaning a correction, punishment, or penalty, and comes from the verb kaladzo, meaning to prune like a tree or a wing, to restrain or chastise, and in this context probably means the torment, the conviction of the conscience that comes with the one who is living outside the family of God. One that does not possess the Spirit of God is seen as a slave to sin, and the result is the possession of continuous guilt. It is not that the regenerate person does not experience guilt. He must in order to grow in Christ, but this 
section is not referring to a perfect person either. There is no such thing as a perfect person on earth, save Jesus Christ and he alone. No, this section is referring to a person who possesses the gift of love that has its source from God, the Holy Spirit, and within the person sealed with the Spirit of God, there is not to be found the fear. The fear is a specific fear relating to a person that does not possess the Holy Spirit and hence is filled with fear. You might say paranoid. Dr. Gill writes this, It distresses a man, fills him with anguish, and makes him restless and uneasy, and keeps him in servitude through the fear of men, of the devil, death, judgment, and hell. He is all his lifetime, or as long as this fear lasts, subject to bondage. The present tense of echo, to have or possess, is an iterative present, meaning that the action is habitual or repeated. This person is in torment simply because he does not possess salvation, forgiveness of sins, and reconciliation with God. This person is characterized as a natural man, confused, unstable, moved by every wind of doctrine that moves in the world, moved by the dark forces that operate within the world, the worst element of society is found in this captive state, as Scripture describes their deeds as follows. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also said in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a quote from Paul from Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. This person is constantly in fear because the people that surround him are also ungodly and he or she flees from wise counsel and the word of God. There is an expression, you may have heard it, you are known by your associates. That rings true here. What a scary world it is when there is no God-fearing people around. This can be seen by the humanistic governments of the past, such as the horrible period of Russia when they were under communist rule. This nation outlawed God's word and the result was bondage to the state, military rule, and the worst human atrocities to their own citizens that have been seen in modern times. This person who possesses fear is ruled by their emotions and one's own abilities instead of the Spirit of God. This person possesses the fear and the guilt that comes from living a godless life. The fear, the definite article is there, 
as used here, has the basic meaning that which may cause flight. In the sense of fleeing from God and trusting in self. To flee from God in the sense of rejecting Christ and his message of the cross. Living a life apart from God. Rejecting his truth and living in darkness instead of the light. Fear, the phobos, means here running from the love of God and resisting salvation that comes from believing in his name. Fear, as used here, is synonymous with rejecting God and being unregenerate. For the child of God, there is fear everywhere. For example, Scripture describes there is fear of losing one's life, of losing one's loved ones, fear of an enemy, fear of a person in authority, fear of what another might do, fear of what others might say, and fear of the future. But the child of God is to trust in the Lord and fear the Lord and Him only. For the fear of the Lord is the start of wisdom. The child of God has the Lord to help him or her when fear visits them. The psalmist David writes in Psalm 27, 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And listen to this, the often quoted verse of David in Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. John has presented a contrast between the unsaved person in the world and the person trusting God by use of the contrastive conjunction day, but highlighting the fact that fear and love are opposites. Notice the grammar used here. John chooses to use the participle of phobo. It is a present middle or passive deponent participle, nominative masculine singular. It's translated, he that fears not, as the negative particle is there, in order to stress that this person is one that is by nature someone that is not driven by fear. The reason is most likely because this person has been made complete by possessing the Holy Spirit. The verb teleo, a perfect passive indicative, to make perfect or complete, has the idea that a born-again person has been regenerated, indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and hence is secure in their faith and indeed overcomes the world and all its pressures. Completeness has its source in, listen to this, here's the Greek, in te agape, in the love that is given by God. Move down to verse 19. The first clause, we, we love him because he first loved us. The apostle places emphasis upon those who are saved by using the emphatic personal pronoun hemis, we, with the first person plural verb agapeo. Now this verb may be the present active indicative first person plural, or it could be the subjunctive. And there is a textural variant here. 
the Texas Receptus, has hemis agapomen aton, adding the object aton, him. The difference is we love versus we love him. Herein the context suggests we love as a response to his love. Since the love, notice the definite article there, the love is in view. That is to say, we simply possess the love. And the result is that love is a fruit that is produced because we possess the Spirit of God. To say he loved us, protos, first, in time, place, or rank, is to say his love is prevenient. The word prevenient is a theological term that simply means to proceed or come before. Before we can produce acts of love according to God's love standard, a giving love without strings attached, God must transform us and give us His Spirit. God's love precedes the believer's response. The aorist of agapeo, to love, is significant in that this love occurred at some timeless point in the past and serves to contrast God's love that is timeless with respect to the love we continuously possess now in the present tense. Move down to verse 20. Here we find a test for true love. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one not loving his brother whom he has seen, God whom he has not seen, how is he able to love? If anyone says, or as Dr. Robinson says, suppose one says, this is a third-class conditional clause expressing a real outcome. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he or she is most clearly, most certainly a liar. It is impossible to love God and to hate a brother or sister in Christ. We can be out of fellowship with both God and fellow believers, but we cannot hate our fellow believers in Christ. That is a violation of the law of love. The conditional ain, if, with the subjunctive lego, a second aorist active subjunctive, to say or speak, forms the third class condition. The indefinite pronoun tis, a certain one or someone, expresses a generic person. Thus, Dr. Robinson translates suppose one say. The verb tense moves from a timeless possibility using the aorist subjunctive, if anyone says, to a present reality by use of the present tense of agapeo. Here's what it means. I am right now loving. The sense is this. Suppose someone at any time says, I love God right now, and he hates his brother. He is a liar. The person hated is identified as the Adelphos, the brother, 
Notice the definite article is included there, which is placed at the head of the clause, thus emphasizing the brother, while the verb is placed at the end of the clause. Literally, it says this, the brother of him he hates. The brother is clearly used in the metaphorical sense as the personal pronoun in the genitive atu is used indicating their relationship one to another. They are no doubt part of the same family as children of God. The third class condition is again used, continuing the argument, but now the verb tense is the present subjunctive of meso, to hate or pursue with hatred. This word is the general word for hate whose definition includes the full spectrum from total disregard to hate. This person right now hates his brother or sister in Christ, so John boldly declares he is a liar. The word for liar is sutes, meaning a liar or one who breaks faith or a false and faithless man. It is no mistake that a state of being verb is used for this person since the person professes to love Christ. So he knows what it means for Christ to come in the flesh and die for the sins of the world. So it is that this person cannot possibly hate his brother. This person is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And there were apparently some unbelievers in that church causing big problems. The conjunction gar for introduces an explanation why the previous clause is true. The explanation has to do with the believer's visible, observable action. Notice the use of the subject participle agapeo present active participle, nominative masculine singular, and has the definite article. And with the negative particle, the one that is not loving his brother, it speaks of a person that is known right now, always and habitually not a loving person. This person is self-seeking, never giving of himself to build up the church, and tearing down fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. The relative pronoun hos, who, which, or that, now introduces the relative clause as a pair of contrasts. On the one hand, this person has seen his brother, and on the other hand, has not seen God. He sits next to his brother or sister, worshiping God, professing faith, sharing in our common lives, set apart from the world, yet is unloving towards his brother. The verb horeo, perfect active indicative, to see, has its basic meaning to see with the eyes, and hence serves as a contrast of the visible brother that he can see and touch versus the invisible God, which should be in him. 
how tragic it is to always come to church and look upon the brethren with contempt. Is this the attitude of the Gnostic who desires to be superior creeping into the church? The spirit of Antichrist coming into the church, seeking to destroy the love they have for one another? The final point communicated here has to do with this person's ability to love. The phrase, pos dunatai agapon, uses the adverb pos, how or in what way, to pose the question and serves to cause the reader to contemplate the dilemma. In what way is it possible to love God when there is no love for the brethren? The present verb dunamai, to be able or to be capable, speaks of their present condition or habitual action to love. And finally, the infinitive of agapeo, a present infinitive to love, is a verbal noun expressing purpose. It is the purpose of the believer who has been given love to love others. The cause and effect law cannot be broken. We love because God first loved us. Love for the brethren is a response to God's saving, transforming work and the indwelling of His Spirit. Move down to verse 21. The first phrase, And this is the commandment we have from Him. The literal translation is, And we have this commandment from Him. This serves again as a reminder and an exhortation to execute the command. We are commanded to trust in Christ. That's in 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. And love one another. The verb echo, present active indicative, first person plural, to have or to hold, is in the present, expressing our present continuous possession of the intole, the order, the commandment that God gave us through Jesus Christ. Again, the definite article points to a specific command found in chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Here's what that says. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. What a statement that is. Move down to the final phrase. That the one that loves God also loves his brother. The person who is known as one that loves God 
is also one that loves his brethren. This is what the present participle of agapeo means. The one that loves, or the one known as a lover of God. The present subjunctive of agapeo expresses an horatory subjunctive, where John seeks to exhort others to action, specifically to love the brethren. This is unusual in that one would expect to find a simple statement of fact verb, namely the one that loves God loves his brother. But here it is closer to the one that loves God let him also love his brother. How tragic it is that we are called children of God and know that it is because of the love of God that we are called of God to begin with and have to be told to love others. This speaks of the power of the world system and how it can so easily affect those in the church. But it is the love of God, His command to love others, and His indwelling Spirit that enables us to love thus setting us free from the bondage of sin. What a great set of verses we have here before us. We start the last chapter next time, so go and translate those verses and come back for the next lesson. 